Hello and welcome to Only Lovers Book Club, where I get together with my pride of lionesses, mis leonas, and uh, we read a romance book and <laughs> we talk about it. And um, this month, the month of July, 2022, was my choice. And I chose A Caribbean Heiress in Paris by Adriana Herrera. So for the occasion, we have kind of like dressed up in various states of, you know, tropical mindset. We're all from Puerto Rico. And so um, I've come dressed tropical to try as well, Dre as well. And we all have a drink, right? Because this was like a very boozy book. So let's just go around and say what we're wearing and what we're drinking, and then we can get on with um, what the book is about, about the author, and so on and so forth. So I'll go first, since I'm already talking. <laughs> I'm wearing a red, like tropical, red tropical shirt. I call these the gringo vacation shirts. You know, like this is what they wear. I, I definitely used to see it solely as that, and then, you started wearing them a lot. And so now I equate it with like beach lesbian. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. I'm wearing a green um, flowy dress, you know, good for those hot nights. Um, it has a very high neckline because I don't have clavicles. And so I don't like wearing dresses that <laughs> show my non-existent clavicles. Um, so I have discovered the very high, very high necklines. I really like those. Um, I'm wearing big earrings and I do not drink alcohol, but I wanted to be part of this boozy rum and whiskey book. So I got non-alcoholic rum, which I'm trying for the first time. Um, and I also made a dark and stormy, which if you don't know, cause I did not know before making this drink is a combo of ginger beer, rum or non-alcoholic rum, um, and lime. And it's very tasty. Um, what am I wearing? I'm wearing a tank top cause I'm tired. Um, but tank tops are, you know, appropriate for the tropics. Uh, I put my hair in a top bun. I've got like a yellow hair wrap. I was going for theme, so my Caribbean aesthetic was 1800s, maybe works in a brothel. I painted on a mole with some liquid eyeliner. I've got bright red lipstick. I put on some bright blush. And I'm drinking, it's not whiskey or scotch or rum because I'm not a fan of any of them. I like rum sometimes, but I also don't have any in the house. So what I did was I saved, <clears throat> okay, this is jumping into the book, but at some point, our main character is talking about making these like little cocktail-y things for women that are tropical fruit flavored. And she mentions one being like pineapple and lime or whatever. And I went to this vegetarian burger place over the weekend and I got a pickled pineapple lemonade that had cloves, rosemary, pepper, and I forget what else in it. <clears throat> And it's delicious, so I saved it because it sounded like one of those little cocktails that she was making. And so I mixed it with tequila. And so this is my tequila and pickled pineapple with clove uh, cocktail, and it is delicious. Okay, cool. Thank you for sharing. Cheers. <laughs> and uh, all right, let me tell you what uh, what the book is about, and then I'll read you a little bit about the author, and then we could jump into our overall impressions. Paris, 1889. The Exposition Universelle is underway, drawing merchants from every corner of the globe, including Luz Alana Heath Benson. Just gonna go with Benson, okay? 
heiress to the Caña Brava Rum Empire. Luz Alana sets sail from Santo Domingo armed with 300 casks of, of rum, her two best friends, and one simple rule. Under no circumstances is she to fall in love. In the City of Lights, she intends to expand the rum business her family built over three generations, but buyers and shippers alike can't imagine doing business with a woman, never mind a woman of color. Uh, this paired with being denied access to her inheritance unless she marries leaves the heiress in a very precarious position. Enter James Evanston, Evanston Sinclair, Earl of Darnick, who has spent a decade looking for purpose outside of his father's dirty money and dirtier dealings. Ignoring his title, he's built a whiskey brand that's his biggest and only passion, that is, until he's confronted with a Spanish-speaking force of nature who turns his world upside down. From their first tempestuous meeting, Luz Alana is conflicted. Why is this titled, infuriatingly charming Scottish man so determined to help her? For Evan, every day with Luz Alana makes him yearn for more than her ardent kisses or the marriage of convenience that might save them both. But Luz Alana sailed for Paris prepared to build her business and her future. What she wasn't prepared for was love finding her. I read that. <laughs> I actually thought this was one of those books where like I read exactly what I thought I was going to read. Like there were no surprises. Like I went into it expecting something and it delivered. Like that's what I got. Okay. And here's a little bit about, <clears throat> about the author. So um, this is from Adriana Herrera, romance.com slash Adriana. One N. <laughs> USA Today bestselling author Adriana was born and raised in the Caribbean. Caribbean for some, but for the last 15 years uh, has let her job and her spouse take her all over the world. She loves writing stories about people who look and sound like her people, getting unapologetic happy endings. When she's not dreaming up love stories, planning logistically complex vacations with her family or hunting discount Broadway tickets, she's a trauma therapist in New York City, working with survivors of domestic and sexual violence. Adriana is an outspoken advocate for diversity in romance and has written for Remezcla and Bustle about own voices in the genre. She's one of the co-creators of the Queer Romance POC Collective. That's her, and that you could find all of that information and links on her on her page. I read a big article from like Oprah <laughs> about like the the best romances coming out this year, and I was like, this sounds this sounds really interesting. Um, and so I decided that's why I picked it for this book, but um, for for this for this month this of book. This was my one. first full-length novel by her, but she is the author of one of my favorite novellas of all time, which is Mangoes and Mistletoe. Remember, I used it for like inspo when I was writing the the Christmas Parranda story. Yeah, yeah. And I know that she's got a. Just I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Does she have a a story in Amor? Actually, she yeah, does. she does. Yeah. Well, I know of her short stories, but yeah. I haven't read. She's just really prolific online, yeah. I think, because of her like advocacy for people of color and romance and people of color have color having happy endings. But um, but yeah, I don't think I I had read a full novel by her. I'm glad that I, I finally got around to it. Very book club for you know reasons to to branch out. I had been wanting to read a historical for a long time as well. It just you know the stars aligned. Chocamos en el trayecto. So you know. I'm, ha I'm happy we got around to reading it. That was mm -hmm. why I chose it. So 
let's go around. You guys tell me uh, your overall impressions. What did you think of the book? You already know more or less what I'm gonna ask you. So like, if there's anything you wanna dive into, hang on to it. But um, overall, what was your impression of Luz Alana and J what's the what's his name? What's his nuts? Ev Evans James Evanston. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I was excited to read it, even though I'm not big on historical fiction, including historical romance. Um, but I was really excited to read my first full-length Adriana book, um, and the premise sounded just really fun and really this book this book felt very like caribbean <laughs> you know like some like i feel like we read sometimes like latinx romances but they're very much like us centered and it's like my parents came over to the us and i've grown up here like kind of characters and so i was really excited to read a book where the character was like born and raised in the Dominican Republic and the book took place outside of the US even if it wasn't in the Dominican Republic but it was like somewhere else just like get me out of the states <laughs> so I was very excited to read it and it did not disappoint it was fun it was exactly what I thought it was going to be um actually it was steamier than I thought it was going to be like I was yeah I I got it with the intention of taking it with me to Puerto Rico when I went home and leaving it with my mom. And then once I started reading, there was a change of plans and I left it with my sister. Well, supposedly my mom is going to borrow it from my sister, but at that point it's not on me. You know what I mean? My sister's the one who gave it to her. So the, the chain, the book is going to follow was uh, changed a little bit. So yeah, no, it was a really, it was a really fun read. I enjoyed it. I had fun. Um, it was refreshing after our last book, which I loved, but yes, was a little like trauma heavy. <laughs> and so, the, and, but this was like, <laughs> and so I really liked it. At some point when it was just like kind of very clear what the trajectory of the romance was going to be, I kind of was like skimming some of the steamy scenes because I wanted to find out what was going to happen with the drama of it all. Because the steamy scenes were good, but after a while, it's like, wow, every time they're alone together, she's, like, sitting in his lap and he gets a heart on. So, like, okay, I want to know what's going on with this, like, rum business, like, what's going on with this um, son that the dad doesn't know about, like, what's going on with this, like, sex club, are we going to see some stuff going on with the ladies, like, I think once at some point the romance just kind of went to like autopilot for me because I knew what was going to happen. Like I, I obviously we were going to get a good story out of it. Um, but overall, I really liked it. I, I think it's funny because usually I'm very into the into the sexy scenes. But with this one, I think somehow I got more invested in like the character story outside of the romance itself because I think it's just like the idea of a woman starting a business in this era in this place and trying to establish herself as like an identity in this alcohol like industry was really interesting to me um but I really liked it I liked the family I liked the supporting characters um I liked I thought it was kind of funny that like one of the things that drives a wedge is that he's got this secret, but the secret is him trying to do like a good thing for with his family member. So 
I don't know. It is one of those things of like, if you guys just talked about this, you just, you would be fine. There wouldn't be a drama, but you need to have something that creates, like moves the plot along. Um, I thought like the clothes sounded really cool. Like I, I, at some point they describe her final dress in that big birthday scene. And I was going back to the cover to see if it was the same dress and it wasn't. And I'm like, no, I would have loved to see someone like illustrate this, but no, all in all, it was a fun time. I, you know, nice and steamy. Didn't take long to read. I read it in like five days because I didn't have time, but I had a good time reading it. And now I'm curious about like the sequel, which TBD, TBD on that. I feel the same way. It was a fun, it was a fun, fast read. Okay, a couple of things. I enjoyed it. And for overall, it's basically like, you know, if I were to be rating books or whatever, it's still a five star. But there were a couple of things where, where now that we're talking about the steamy scenes, I really enjoyed all of the steamy scenes, specifically because I am always worried because this has happened in other books that we've read before and other books that I've read myself where after the main characters like marry and that's not the end of the book, then the sex like stops, you know? And I'm like, no, I wanna keep, like, I wanna see what they're like doing after they're married. Like, how does that sex change or help them, the characters? So I loved it though, they were fucking right up until the end. I was like, yes, yeah. <laughs> Especially because a lot of their, their chemistry is like, it's sparked by their, desire for each other and i liked how um i liked how much she wanted him and when she finally kind of like tells her girlfriends um about you know their plan to to marry they're like okay but do you like want him and she's like yes <laughs> she's like there's no even there was no point in lying and so i thought that was it was cool that 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 fire that steam just carried them through the entire um through the entire book and for me like no, I just, I just had a really good balance uh, of like, and, and I felt like they were not always doing the same thing. Also, I feel like the Earl or, or whatever, is it Earl of Darnick? Whatever, Evan, whatever his name is. Um, I just felt like he was the kind of guy, like he was talking a lot, but I, I felt like he was like an ear moaner, you know, like, <laughs> like he's definitely like moaning in her ear and like saying all these nice things to her. And I was just like, real, I'm just so happy for her. <laughs> I was like, get it, Luz Arara, just get it. And, you know, he was like, tell me what you want. And she's like, I want this. And he's like, okay, babe, I'm going to do it for you. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, fuck yeah. And I was living. I was living for it. It was a perfectly spicy summer read. I I, I wanted to know like what how you felt about the chemistry and the heat between the main characters. But I don't know if, like, you guys have already touched on that with your overall impressions. Is there anything you might want to add? You know, based on my personal rating system, I believe there was an adequate amount of liquids, um, which as always is very important. Um, that will dictate whether I skip the scenes or not. <laughs> and I did not skip the scenes in this book. Um, thought it was a good ratio. Um, I did, I did like their chemistry. I liked, um, yeah, it, it was like a cool balance because it was a marriage of convenience and you still had that like marriage of convenience trope where it's like, we're only getting married for this thing and we don't actually like love each other and this is not forever. Like they still did that whole back and forth. But the one thing they like never argued about was the fact that they like wanted to have sex with each other. <laughs> like that was like very clear from the beginning. And so it was really cool. And I like that they... 
like hooked up before they even sealed the deal. So I feel like in a lot of these books, you know what I mean? It happens she asked after. him. She asked him. I think right. it was almost like right. a, okay, I need to see like if you're actually gonna deliver on this promise. She's like, I wanna copulate now. And he's like, yeah. oh, right now? And she's like, right now. <laughs> I no, but even this before I purchase, thank you. But even before that scene, like when they're up in the tower and they're like making out and he's like touching her and stuff. Like, I just feel like normally when you have these books, it's like, okay, we're gonna get married and we're like attracted to each other. But there's always this like period where they're like denying themselves. And so I did really like that. There was no denial at any point. They were like into each other, like, from like the brothel scene I thought was great, you know, where he like has her kind of up against the wall. And I'm like, heck yeah, I would be turned on by her thigh gun too. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I, I was into the chemistry. I really enjoyed, <laughs> and this is like a me personal thing, but um, I really like when the main character has like a family, like on page, on the page. And I really like them too, because then it makes me want the heroine to be a part of the family so like that definitely happened in this book where i was like heck yes like you're marrying into a nice family too you're gonna have these sisters-in-laws that are great so i was into like the chemistry but i was also into like the reality of this marriage like her joining this family and just like how they were gonna support each other with their businesses like i just thought you know it it sounded too good to be true but it wasn't it really was that nice <laughs> with this one with this one it's the same it's it's always the same thing like you know what her name is you don't need to say her name in every sentence and with her it was a two first she's got two names so every time he, they were fucking be like oh Luzalana. i'm like it's too long it's just okay but to be fair i she does say at some point that she likes how he says her name so i feel like it was one of those things where it's like say my name in your accent like i want to hear it come out of your mouth kind of thing <laughs> I don't know that a Scottish accent would, I don't know that Tishai would sound different in any accent, so. I'd get it wrong. They'd be like, Tishai. <laughs> so mad. Put your pants on. Get out of here. <laughs> but yeah, that shit was steamy. I, I think they had like really good chemistry from the get-go. And I do love that it was like one thigh strapped and the other thighs carrying my, my booze. Listen, she was hot. I was like, oh God. Like I definitely was just very much i don't know if it's because i knew she was dominican or what i was just like mm, i date this girl but <laughs> i would be actively pursuing i would actively be pursuing her uh yes. me and, and my in my boy drag of course and my historical you know just not boy drag i'm like i can't I you know where. what i think i think adriana also did a really nice job of like even though her friends don't get a ton of screen time like I can see myself reading their romances too. I, I like when books do that too. That's another pro for this book. Like I like knowing what I'm gonna be getting down the road. Okay, so my next question is, it has to do more like with the representation. So we're talking about like, um, we're talking about like historical romance or whatever. And um, I know that not, not all of us partake in historical fiction, nonfiction or what have you. I do, um, and I guess you can answer like in a very general sense, but so whenever like show, like I have watched shows like Bridgerton and even like historical fantasy, like The Witcher, there's this movie that came out, Malcolm's List, and a, a lot of the historical fiction, at least media that I'm seeing like come out, um, makes an effort to include uh, people of color. 
But I mean, on the page, those uh, characters are white. <laughs> and so uh, it was nice for me to have like an actual person of color, like, and many people of color appear in the in this book. Maybe it wouldn't, it, it's just not something that I think that I had thought about until a couple of years ago, until the Bridgerton debate started happening on the internet and um, and the Witcher debate started. I say the Witcher because it was like, oh, there's no black people in fantasy. And it's like, why do we think that? So um, my question is like, I guess, how did you feel um, reading a, a person that was a person of color in a romance? And like, um, is it important to you to feel represented in in like media that is like this? I think that it's I think that it's good. I, I'm happy that we got to experience this kind of story because I think the reason I was so fascinated by the additional aspects of the story and not just the romance is because of this like journey of this woman who leaves the Caribbean to try to like establish herself in this white male dominated industry and pulls in these like challenges that one would have to face in that space. And so I knew the romance was going to be a happy ending and I was attracted to them as like a couple, but we got to see a, an adversity that you normally don't get to see in this kind of story because you have a woman who's trying to start a business. You have it being a business in a male dominated industry. You have a woman who's a woman of color who is educated, who is trying to um, develop a business where it is not based on this like capitalist structure. The people who work with her are all kind of being elevated through the money that's being made in this company. So I think we did get to see a lot of things that normally have nothing to do with these kinds of period romances. And I really, really liked that. It's a really big deal. Like it, it makes a really big difference for the people who haven't seen it before. And it gives people an opportunity to like read something new. Same with Bridgerton. It's it's pulling people in who might not usually want to watch these period romances because they are able to finally see a story that centers people who look like them. So yeah, I don't watch or read a lot of historical romance, but I do see these conversations a lot online. And I always feel like people go to like the extremes, right? Either they like want stories where like racism doesn't exist and it's like a completely like non-realistic thing um or then it's like too real you know and it's like and for me i personally love those stories that are kind of in between like i i say i don't read historical romance but actually this year i've read two this one and then a lady for a duke which does the same thing this story does in the sense that that story is um, it, you know, it centers around a trans main character and it does the same thing where you see some of the struggles that a trans person would go through in this time period, but at the same time suspends reality enough so that all of their family is super supportive and like, you know, so you can still have your happy ending and like the person they love loves them back and like that kind of thing. And so, and I think that's what this book does so well too, where like you said to shy, we see some of those struggles that um, Lusarana has with being a person of color, with being Dominican. Um, but, you know, it still kind of lets you suspend 
belief a little bit in the sense of like we know that you know there there weren't stories like that back then right like that you know the, the, it was definitely like a male dominated field and a white dominated field and so the chances of a Lusalana starting her own business and marrying a Scottish person and moving out there like it you know sounds slightly unrealistic but that's what makes it so fun like I don't know I think it's just like the perfect balance of getting your happily ever after suspending belief and getting to live a slightly different version of the historical reality while still keeping some of those struggles so that when you read it you feel like oh my gosh yeah I get it because you know I see that happen today I know that that would have happened back then and so for me I really I haven't read many books like this or a lady for a duke um but i appreciate them because yeah i think they do that that perfect balance just that perfect balance where i'm like i see the struggles but i know i'm gonna get a happily ever after and that's great <laughs> awesome thank you for your responses i i think it's really important i don't think i have ever thought of a dominican person in a historical romance and i'm not saying that like it's just one of those things where if you're not like exposed to this like 99% of the romances that I've read, you know, they're just start, they're starring white people. It's just one of those things where I think it's important for people not just to watch like blind casted shows that have black people and people of color on it. Women have always existed. Black women have existed. Uh, women of color have existed. Indigenous women have always existed. Queer people have existed throughout history. Trans people, non-binary people. And it's just, for me, it's really nice to see them in that setting as well, where there is a happy medium, where where we can have our stories, where it's all realistic, uh, and we can have our stories where it's slightly suspended and we can see them have, have happy endings because I mean, the reality is that they did. It wasn't easy, but I absolutely did have happy endings. Like these people like have, con you know, we, we've made it this far. We know that that these people have existed throughout time. And and th that joy is something that people chase all the time. Uh, we're talking about like a woman that's in like the drink and alcoholic uh, beverage business. And I read Girly Drinks by Mallory O'Meara and many women were actually very successful uh, despite a lot of adversity from the men around them and the men that they were competing with or like collaborating with. I learned so much with that book and actually thought about that book a lot as I was reading this one. Yes, absolutely. There there were many women who were in charge of like distilleries, wineries, making cordials, making hooch, <laughs> making yeah, sake. And it's like you said, like the Dominic, like, you know, she didn't make up the fact that like Dominicans were at this expo. Like that mm -hmm. actually happened. The mm -hmm. book does take place like, you know, the first year that the Dominicans were there, that a lot of countries from Latin America were there represented. Yeah. So so like that actually happened. That wasn't made up. Yeah, it's you know? it's in the it's in, that's where the question kind of came from as well. I, I think that well, was that a note at the end? A note of authors like the idea for the series came from where all great ideas come from these days, the internet in the fall of 2019. I was researching for an upcoming trip to Paris. Randomly, I found an article from a Dominican newspaper where they mentioned the first time the Dominican Republic attended a French international exposition. And that was in 1889. So that's cool. And then in her acknowledgments, she says, seeing a Latina on the cover of a historical romance novel has been something that I've yearned for for a very, very long time. I don't think I have, uh, I've seen a lot of like ladies from DR or even from PR. So it was just, 
it was just sick. I loved it. And I just a reminder, hey, we exist now. We existed then. And we are deserving of love at all times <laughs> and of success and of joy. So that's, it was, it's important to me. The main character brings it up. She's talking to, to Evan at some point and they're talking about her family. And she's like, well, you know, the land belonged to my great, great something grandfather. And it's kind of like, mm, it's like he was the white man. Some stuff went down. Yeah, she absolutely like kind of, she confronts him with a lot of like hard truths. And to his credit, you know, he's like, yeah, that sucks. You know? <laughs> She does it with a couple people, which I really admire. She's like, well, you know, you're not used to seeing women of my countenance. Is that is that what she says? She's like, mm, you're not used to you're not used to this. And then proceeds to read Evan's ex to filth. <laughs> oh, my God. That fucking burn was was so good. That burn was so good. OK, OK, OK. So anyway, that those were that was like kind of like a big question for me. Um, anyway, what did you think of the family drama? I didn't understand why Evan like cared about his dad that much like to shame him i i would have just like absolutely been like oh yeah i'm married now and when he found out that's when he would have found out but you know to each his own that was probably the most uninteresting part of the story for me the well, I, I thought he could because he put his mom in like an asylum and yeah i just didn't care <laughs> i just did not care like i i don't know there was he he had promised Apollo, though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I got. Apollo I was like, "I'm your son." I think I guess what what I, there's nothing wrong with it. I just feel like there was a lot of white knighting for Evan. That you know, like, oh, of course he works with people of color. You know, that makes him different from all these white guys of the time. And um, yeah, his mom, and that's why he respects women. And I just feel like I was getting a lot of things where I'm like, fine, I guess I like him. You know, like I just liked him because he was a great lay. Like, I'm not skimming over the sex scenes, but I'm definitely skimming like their plotting and the reasons that he hates his dad and this, the horrible things his dad did to him and his siblings and his mom. Like I'm like, okay, let's get to let's get to let's get to the fucking here. Um, but that's just me. That's how I can enjoy this kind of book. But and and also because I don't want to, I don't want to give him more more than his due. <laughs> He's still a guy. He's still just some guy. I think. Um. I mean, I, I it didn't bother me. I think that had Evan had a way to get his whiskey business without shaming his dad, he would have taken it because he's not a shaming in public sort of person. Um, but I think he was just between a rock and a hard place. The only way to get the whiskey business was to get the thing from Apollo. And in exchange for that, he had to go along with this plan. Um, I definitely, I didn't think he was doing it to like make himself out to be a hero. I think he really just was like in this position where it's like the most important thing in the world to me is my whiskey business. I will do anything to get it. And I don't usually like hurting people, but I don't actually mind hurting my dad because he's a terrible piece of shit. So I guess I'll go along with this plan. If anything, the only part of it that bothered me is that I hate the miscommunication trope and romances. So thankfully it didn't go on for very long. I think if it had led to them breaking up and like a huge thing, I would have been way more annoyed because I hate, like Tashai said, I hate when like there's an issue between the couple and it could have just been resolved with a simple conversation. And so I was nervous. I was like, oh, how big of a thing is this going to be? How big of an explosion is this going to be? I was really nervous about it. And I was pleasantly surprised that it got resolved relatively easily, I think, for a romance. Like once 
the things were discovered, it really was just a matter of having the conversation they should have had, and then everything was resolved. And so that made me feel much yeah. better. Apollo, Apollo jumped in at the right time and was like, you're fucking this up. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, why didn't you tell me you wanted me to shame, you wanted to shame your disgusting, abusive, horrible father? I'm down. Yeah, I'd love to do that with you. <laughs> now that you're talking, I, I also realized like Evan, becoming friends like realizing that he had become friends with his half brother also was kind of was really sweet he's like well i thought you'd be really mad at me if i like went back on my thing and apollo's like you're a fucking idiot you're my brother man yeah, like, i really like that scene too where he was like dude you should have just told me that you like this girl you're pretending to marry <laughs> like i would have understood <laughs> right. what about what, 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 what were your thoughts to shy it was fine. I'm more confused that he had a marriage clause than that she had a marriage clause. Because her marriage thing was like, the dad put the business in someone else's name and then put a, the, a guy in charge of the trust. And the guy in charge of the trust was like allegedly murdered by his son. So then his son was managing the trust. So it's not that the dad was like, you need to get married. It's that she couldn't get her money from this piece of shit. And so she's like, well, if I get married, then I can fire him. And so it's like, okay, so if she's she's able to get married with someone and just take care of it, then she that's the weird crazy dude who then is like writing her threatening magazine cutout letters. And she's like, I'm just not gonna tell Evan about this because what are the chances this is gonna come back and bite me in the ass? That thread, that plot thread, I didn't need. I didn't need that. Yeah, that that, that felt like it came out of nowhere. I was like, was wait, the who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> That was like, I feel like that was unnecessary. That could have gotten dealt with off camera. We just needed a reason for her to need to get married. And like, cool, her dad putting a guy in charge, that guy mysteriously dying, his son taking the money. Cool. Like, that's all I, fine. I, I believe that. The mom being like, oh, I'll leave you this when you get as a wedding gift. That's not going to be a thing. In my opinion, that's not realistic because back then he would have just inherited things. He's a man. He would have just inherited things. The sisters were the ones who had to depend on getting married to like get anything. So those like kind of. But I thought, didn't, points... she, didn't she do it because she knew that her husband was a piece of shit and would have never given him the whiskey thing? Like I thought that was her way of being Ooh. sneaky, of like not going behind his back. You know what I mean? But being like this is my wedding present for my son in case my husband ends up being a piece of shit. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that probably is is correct. Because I know that for the sisters, like, she did leave them stuff and then the dad still squandered it. So, like, mm -hmm. cool. The technicality of it on his side, then, like, fine. But for her, I was just like, okay, this is, this is, this is the, the spark. This is the spark that's setting off this, like, series of events. Mm -hmm. That's fine. The brother coming and, like, trying to shame his dad and stuff. Like, that, I liked it enough because of what the father did to, like, both of the moms. Like, the father yeah. was horrible to both of these women. And then is, like, shocked that his fresh young bride is going to ditch him first chance she gets to leave with her lover and some money. First of all, you took her, you, like jumped in and shook your money bags at her to take her away from your son you think she's not gonna chase money bags away from you so she doesn't have to deal with your wrinkly ass balls anymore like duh that, i think that he's he's uh, he's well written in the sense that i like absolutely believe that he would think that 
how can I believe that she would leave me? That his his arrogance, you know. I really, yeah. I I did. I was like, hey, <laughs> when what did you do to my wife? I gave her some money, and she immediately left. She tagged <laughs> her lover. I, was like, was oh, I wonder why I didn't see this coming. Cool. Anyway, I was I was fine with it. Some some of the stuff I'm just like, oh oh, historical romance tropes. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, so the reason why I'm asking, like, well, why did you feel about the family? Because, right, that's all the stuff that's, like, propelling the plot forward. Well, I think that all of us were more interested in perhaps, like, I was, I had a couple of regrets. Things that didn't happen in the book that I definitely thought were going to happen. Luz Alana never shot anyone. And I was dying for her to use that pistol. So, you know, I was wanting her to shoot somebody, and that made me sad. Like, I definitely wanted her to, like, almost shoot Evan or something and have it be like really hot and then they like kiss you know what I mean I thought that was gonna happen that never happened I, and I also kind of wish that we had seen a little bit more about like the whiskey slash rum manufacturing like I'm sad that we didn't get to spend any time like I, I, I'm sad that the story starts as she's leaving DR because I kind of wanted the, some of the story to happen in DR because she's from DR so I was like she leaves and then you know, she's in, interested in selling these things, right? And then they do talk about that side business or that other business with the women and the cordials. He talks about his whiskey in the distillery, but like truly I never felt like, you know, like sometimes writers will do like research on like how a thing works. And so I just was waiting for just a little bit, a little bit more information. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this is always yeah. what you're left wanting these romances though. Like you always want like tell me about her PhD, yes. tell me about her nonprofit, tell me about her. I don't need the whole thing. I don't need the whole thing. And we, I always say this: I don't need like pages and pages of like the rum making process. But like you know, give me something. Have her impress somebody by making some cocktails. And yeah, or or explain to someone that might not know how, like, it's made or the importance of the barrels. Like, okay, I've been to Bacaldi, so I know, but I want to read it and I want to, like, I want to see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I definitely, I want to, I want the characters to seem more knowledgeable about things that are not fucking sometimes. And I mean, the fucking is fine, but like, you know, this was about rum and whiskey and I felt like no one got tipsy enough. And then I didn't hear enough about the, you know, they're like, empresario. like I'm thinking that they're going to be like really passionate to talk to me about like the process. And I didn't hear that. So that's how I felt. So how did you feel about the rum business? You already you knew I wanted to read about the rum. That was yeah. the first thing I said. I'm like, I liked the romance, but I was really interested in what was going on on like the business side of it. And like could have read a couple more chapters of having her like speak to these other business people and explain to them why her rum is different than other rums. And then also figure out how to like collaborate with the people at the brothel. Is there like a rum tasting night? Rum rumpkiss? You all have to come in bottomless and everyone gets to try new rum cocktails? Or or maybe she's like practicing her pitch to someone, like to a character who already knows her, like CC, like she's telling like her sister and she's like, yes, it sounds fine, it's great. And at least I would have heard it <laughs> from somebody. I mean, I wasn't expecting there to be more info just because like that is my expectation, unfortunately, like with with romance, I do think that, you know, when your main focus is on the romance, like sometimes like things just get cut. Um, you know, I didn't 
feel any sort of way about it not being in the book because I wasn't expecting it to be. Um, and also, I'm just not interested in alcohol, to be perfectly honest. If Luz Alana had had a horse ranch in the DR and her business was Pasofino, like Dominican horses, I would have been like, take me to that ranch. Take me, tell me about your horses. You know what I mean? But like rum, eh, take it or leave it. I was fine with the little bits that we had in the book. Um, there was a lot of rum selling without a lot of rum pitching. Like she did just seem to run into people and be like, my rum is the best, buy it. And they were like, no. And she was like, oh, is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm a woman of color? And they were like, eh, eh, eh. And then Evan was like, her rum is the best rum. And then they were like, okay, give me four casks. And then that was, that was it. I mean, and that, but I mean, it didn't bother me, but I can see how you my dearest research loving friend who would want more. It took so long. It took so long for me to hear what her rum tasted like. And I don't think mm -hmm. that I really got a sense of like what the notes were. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, well, what's it taste like? I'm not, here's the thing. Like I read that girly drinks book. I'm not interested in alcohol either. I do love history. Yeah. And so a lot of the book, uh, the girly drinks book was yes about how the drinks were made but also like what women had to do to sell and or drink at the time and the you know everything in context it's just i just always feel like it makes people feel a little characters feel a little fuller you guys know me <laughs> i love how like I took off my earrings to shy. Took off my about, okay, I'll take off my glasses then. It's like it's like that point in the hangout. <laughs> well, I'm gonna jump into the the accents one now, which is okay. So, like being from Puerto Rico and like hearing and at points participating in a lot of like anti-Dominican, negative Dominican comments and jokes, right? I I don't think that I have at least for a big portion of my life, have not considered the Dominican accent as anything but funny. I don't think that now. I don't, that's not something I think of now. But for like a big part of my youth and growing up, because right, that's like, you know, there's like a, there's like a joke, you know? You know, sometimes like when people want to sound stupid or when, you know, when they're doing jokes on TV, they'll use this accent. So I thought it was actually great that it was like, she speaks Dominican Spanish. I'm assuming it's accented. That's how I heard it. I don't care if it's not like, truly like the accent that I'm thinking of, but I just like the idea of it being like really sexy and like a turn on for someone like who have, to have heard it for the first time. Like, I think that it, I was like, yes, do that, do the accent justice. I feel like um one of the Buzzfeed videos or whatever, one of the Me Too, whatever, one of the Me Too videos where like, you know, they had someone like blindfolded and then they had people speaking around them in like an accent and and they're like, ooh, who, what's that? You know, like people definitely think that it's it's a cute accent, but like I feel like historically, at least like living in Puerto Rico, I didn't I didn't think that. Whereas like the Scottish accent, right? Like it's the European, the, the brogue or whatever, like that scene as like really hot. So I can't understand. <laughs> I'm like subtitles, please. <laughs> Um, and so I, I guess I, I wonder if you guys, if it jumped out at you, if you haven't put ever put any thought into like what accents are considered like to be sexy or not, um, if you felt a type of way about it. I just, I'm bringing it up because I did, because I couldn't think of two accents that I was like, those aren't sexy, but then, you know, that they found it sexy to each other. Also like reflecting, why don't I find it sexy? 
I pulled out the conspiracy board, true Aquarian, needed to completely deconstruct this thought that I'm having. I'll throw it to you guys. Thoughts? Other questions? I don't think I've really thought about it. Because I'm reading it in my in my head. So even when he's saying, like, the words in Irish, I'm like, me something. Like, I'm definitely not <laughs> saying any of the any of the words that he's saying with any sort of accent and yeah. i don't know that i think i don't think any hispanic accents are sexy because to me it's just how people speak in spanish and so it's like i grew up with people speaking with accents and so that to me is not exotic because that is where we're from no i hear them but it's like i don't know that i put any weight on them i don't know that i've thought about it honestly just as like a thing that i'm attracted to Okay, yeah, same as you. I have trouble understanding people with thick accents. I do require subtitles for any like videos I watch. Um, and and that doesn't you don't even have to leave the country. Like even within the US, like there are uh, accents from different states and different areas of the country where like I have a really hard time understanding like just the audio. And, and that has been like my whole life. Uh, so I've never like wanted someone with like any like sexy accent because I knew that it would, it would cause me like turmoil in my relationship because I wouldn't be able to understand them. And then I'd have to like, I mean, knowing myself, I would just pretend to understand them because I wouldn't want them to feel bad. And there would just there'd be a lot of miscommunication. Um, you know, I am in an area where I don't hear a lot of Spanish. I don't have any friends here who speak Spanish. Anytime I hear anyone speaking <laughs> any sort of Spanish, I'm like, that's the best language in the world kind of thing. Just because I'm like so desperate for it. That combined with the fact that I've been working in the public schools for so long with people from so many different Spanish-speaking countries has fine-tuned my ear a little bit and just appreciating like the different nuances between the Spanishes, not just the accents, but like the words they use. Like now to me, I feel like before I might not have thought the Dominican accent in particular was above any other Spanish accents. And now I'm like, oh my God, this is like, so like it feels it feels like home, you know, even if that's not actually like but because Puerto Rico has so many Dominican people, like you do hear it so much. It's just one of those little things where like if I am walking down the street and I hear someone speaking what I pick up as Puerto Rican, Dominican or Cuban Spanish, which again rarely happens here, but when it does, I will literally like <laughs> and like follow this person. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I, I have been known to do that, honestly. So yeah, I do think that in this, in my opinion, the Dominican accent would beat, she would beat Evan for sure. But like Tashai, I read this whole book in my voice and nobody had any accent. <laughs> when she would speak in Spanish, I would, I would give her the accent. Like, like I was like, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's what she's saying. And then I'm like, oh, that's hot. Like, like if someone was speaking Dominican Spanish to me, like, well, I was banging them, I'd be like, oh God. Woo! I don't know. Well, that's that's just because that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, that's hot, mm -hmm. you know? And I could see how that was hot. But at some point in my life, I didn't think that was hot. If you had your own 
spirits, alcohol, business, what um it can be rum or it can be anything else um what would it be what would you call it lusarana has caña brava what does andrea have what does Tashai have what does christina have what, what are we doing as a 19th century 19th century uh liquor heiresses okay when i drink or when i used to drink i would get very sleepy <laughs> i've always been a morning bird not a night bird so that combined with drinking was just like terrible for me and now that i'm on medication that's why i don't drink because it would that would be like times 10 which means for me i would have like actual rum and pass out immediately i'm pretty sure um and so i kind of wanted to convey that <laughs> that sense of sleepiness in my rum company so i decided to call mine roncadora <laughs> because, um and then my logo would be just like a person in a hammock you know napping living their best life with their little glass of um of rum I love bacha. Like to me, the flavor of bacha is like one of the most delicious of anything. If I see anything that's like passion fruit flavor, passion fruit, yeah, flavored, um, I'm in. So I think I would want to make like little discreet spirits, like little travel shots, and just call them pachitas. And then you could like, Aww, that's so cute. You could like put it in your in your hip, like tuck it in or whatever, and just be like, oh, and it's like tart and tasty and maybe it's tequila based maybe it's like something else but i like the idea the idea of something that just tastes delicious by itself that's what i want i just want una pachita i like it and i and i like that it's also like if you're bilingual it's kind of that play on word of like you're parched so you have una parchita <laughs> um so i gave it some thought and i don't think i'd have like a actually like an established business or whatever like, I definitely want to have an illicit, like, pitorro situation happening in Las Montañas. And it would have some sort of, like, name, like, I was thinking of, like, hooch. I read an Alice Obscura article about, like, people making pitorro, which they translated as hooch. And I'm like, ah, ha, 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 like, hoochie mama. So I definitely have, have my own, like, bathtub full of puta sucia pitorro. And then, like, the only way that you can get it is, like, coming up to the cabin and asking for asking for la puta sucia and whatever. And then yeah. I just come out with a <laughs> bottle for you. And that's, that's mine. I don't have like a logo or anything clever because I'm, I'm under the radar. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm only making money for myself. I'm not giving, I'm not paying taxes on this. I'm not, it's for me. <laughs> what else are, what else are you guys reading aside from spicy, boozy, historical romance? Okay, I'm not reading it yet. I'm starting it tonight because I finished the book I was reading this morning. And so um, today I am starting one of my most anticipated reads of the year. <laughs> this will only be funny to people who are on Instagram because <laughs> it's like a joke there in case you're not on Instagram. Everybody's like, I need this arc. It's my most anticipated. Five book. star predictions. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, the Man Who Could Move Clouds. Ah, I'm so excited to read it. Um, it's by Ingrid Rojas Contreras, who wrote The Fruit of the Drunken Tree. Basically, her grandfather was un curandero in Colombia and supposedly could move clouds and do all these things. And so the author, uh, who has like a fictional novel, she um, her, was in an accident and she got amnesia for many, many months. 
And everyone in her family was like, this is great. When your mom got amnesia, she got all the family magical powers. This means that you're tapping into your roots. And she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so she decided to travel to Colombia to like unearth her grandfather's body and like look into all like the family lineage and all of these things. I know like it has like mixed reviews. Like some people are like, hey, I can't take this memoir seriously when it talks about things like powers. <laughs> but those people are stupid and I'm not listening to them and I'm very excited to read it. <laughs> so that's what I'm reading. I'm reading Vagina Obscura by <laughs> Rachel E. Goss. Of course, with nonfiction. I had seen it. So I, I had seen it when I visited this like indie bookstore in Oakland. I took a picture of it and I saved it for later. But then after the whole, you know, after Roe v. Wade was overturned, it came up a lot in like books to read because Roe v. Wade, you know, learn about mm -hmm. the vagina. Um, and it's basically just, you know, a re-examination of the history of the study of um, female organs, the lack of, of effort put into it, and then the renewed effort that's been put in and then the pushback against that renewed effort. It's pretty good. And um, what else am I reading? The Paul Bears Club by Paul Tremblay, which is cool. It's the, I haven't really gotten into it yet, but the premise is that it's someone who, it's a manuscript that you're reading, and but this manuscript has been sent to someone who's in the book. And so there are notes in the margins by the person who's reading the book and being like, oh, I wonder what name you gave me. And then at the end of the chapter, at the end of the chapter, they give their thoughts, but like as the book progresses, they can't wait until the end. They like start butting in more and more and like, not contradicting but they both have a version of events that is true to them uh and i'm really i'm really enjoying that so those are two books that i'm reading like consistently like uh vagina obscura vagina obscura in the morning and paul bear's club at night um i was reading this book and then i finished it so now i have um, it can be what you're watching too doesn't if you're not reading anything one tree hill um i put that one diving documentary drea watched well what i've been what i've been doing is i've been watching the episodes and then i've been listening to the podcasts from oh, the women cool. who were in the show yeah. and so it's like a nice contrast because then i watch it and then they talk about the stuff that was going on behind the scenes they talk yeah. about like the storylines that they found problematic mm -hmm. but they were like you know 2021 20, when they were filming the show yes. remembering what they liked and what they struggled with and bringing on guests and like interviewing people and i mean the name of the podcast and i'll like i'll go it's ahead called and... drama, queens. drama queens they have a little theme song it's really cute um and through that i've found out like just a lot of stuff about their personal lives which is really nice well that about wraps it up for our discussion of um adriana herrera's a caribbean heiress in paris we hope you liked it we'll see you next month with another anthology read that tishai has chosen for us uh, until then bye, bye thank you for hanging out with us you can support Only Lovers Book Club by dropping some change in our tip jar and buying some books with our bookshop link. You can find us on Instagram at Only Lovers Book Club, and from there, find our individual accounts and projects. Feel free to favorite or rate us if that's an option for you, but always make sure to like and subscribe and turn on your notifications so you never miss an episode.